Reading this morning from 2 Corinthians 6:11 through 7:1. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Thank you, Laura. Well, good morning. I was reminded this morning of uh, what my sermon should actually be about, which is football today. And I thank uh, Rich for representing the 49ers. Way to wear your colors. Proud. Go. It's amazing to me uh, the amazing popularity that we're finding with Internet uh, dating services. They're all over the place. Uh, and they've gra- gained great momentum. Uh, people are drawing on to them to seek relationship. One of the, one of the more popular ones is Match.com. And people have been uh, clicking on there to, to fall in love and to find someone that is a match for them. What happens, though, is that they fill out their, their questionnaire uh, about their personality, and they don't always fill in the truth. Uh, sometimes they won't answer really what they believe because they don't want that to hinder uh, maybe the possibility of connecting up with somebody. Uh, a lot of times they give up just their core convictions of their life uh, so that they can connect with somebody. And then they go out on their date and they start to have this interaction and they realize very quickly uh, that this is mismatch.com. It's not working out like they intended. And as they're enjoying, as they're trying to have this time together, they're realizing things just aren't going well. And, and so the relationship breaks uh, quickly, and there is no match that takes place because they're not of the same nature, not of the same qualities, not of the same pursuits. You know, I think, honestly, there, there's another website 
uh, that's come out, and, and you've probably seen it on TV, but it's uh, farmersonly.com. <laughs> Have you seen this thing? And, and there, <laughs> I, I think because I think of all the other mismatches, people are drawing on to farmersonly.com with a, with a slogan that city folk just don't get it. <laughs> and quite honestly, I don't think we want to. Yeah, <laughs> Paul, this morning in Corinthians chapter 6, is going to move us, I believe, into into good relationship, helping us think about relationship and what God has intended for us. He is going to help us uh, understand uh, and and protect us from clicking on mismatch.com and trying to move us closer to the Lord and towards one another in godly relationship uh, this morning. really has a heart for us to to move towards everything that God has for us and to be in relationships that are right and good and not mismatched and to move us again closer to the Lord that he wants us to be in right relationship. So let's pray that this morning for us and, and we'll dig into the word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word, and I thank you for your heart for us. I thank you for relationship, that you, you are a God in and of yourself of relationship and of love. And so I pray this morning for us that we will uh, hear your word and your Holy Spirit will speak to us. And, and Father, I pray that you would heal relationships. I pray that you would move us into right relationships. And, uh, Father, uh, do your work in us that we would uh, seek you first and, uh, and then move towards each other uh, in what you have for us in relationship. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your presence here. And we love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. One of the areas that hinders us, I believe, from being ministers of reconciliation, and that's kind of the flow of these last chapters, that... God has created a new relationship with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we have the living God through the Holy Spirit living through us, the power of the Holy Spirit, and moving us into uh, being ministers of reconciliation, that we are are going forth and creating a relationship with people so that they know the love of God, that we are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the things that hinders us from being ministers of reconciliation and really living out all that God has for our lives is, is restrained love. We withhold love from one another. And it, it keeps us from being all that God wants us to be in life, in relationship with him, and in relationship with each other. And so he addresses that this morning in chapter 6. Let me just give you a little history uh, of what's been going on the, of the Corinthian church. As you know, the church has, has struggled with morality, especially sexual morality. They've struggled in uh, being stuck in pagan practice and idol worship. They, they would come to communion table and, and they would get drunk on the wine of communion table. There were factions that were in the church. Who, do we, who are we going to follow? Uh, we like this guy better than this guy, or we like what he says better than this other person. All kinds of division going on in the body. There's lots of false prophets that are coming through, confusing them about the life of Christ. They are, they are speaking a false theology. That's why in, 
in Corinthians 15, we have Paul addressing, hey, if the resurrection isn't true, then it's all, it's all worthless. Because the theology being taught was the resurrection didn't really happen. So this is all going on in this Corinthian church, all that they're struggling with. And the false teachers keep challenging Paul's authority that he's not really of the Lord. And so Paul steps in. And in the middle of all of that, Paul keeps ministering the gospel. Paul keeps reminding them that that God loves you more than you can ever imagine. This is why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. He loves you more than you'll ever understand, and his forgiveness is more than you can ever comprehend as we surrender our life to him, that you're washed and cleansed. Paul will not stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in the middle of all the mess, in the middle of a broken world. That's why last week we saw all that he endured, all the afflictions and the trials, and the real truth about being a disciple of Jesus Christ and what we go through. And so he continues to minister to the Corinthians because we have a new life. Corinthians 6 reminds us we're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. And we have a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ living through us, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And really a a reminder of, oh, I don't want you to miss all that God has for you in your life. I think just too often, again, we, we have salvation, we receive Jesus Christ, and we, we come to church on Sundays, but we don't really allow the Lord to work in our lives and to, to allow his, his Spirit to minister through us, to allow Christ to do His work through us. The life of Christ, the resurrection power of Christ, and all that He has for us on this planet, Earth. And part of the reason we're hindered in that is we don't return love. Not with Paul only, but with one another. Withheld love. Look at verse 11 says, We have spoken to you freely, Corinthians. We've opened wide our hearts to you. What he's saying to them is, is we, have, we have spoken with honesty to you about who the Lord is and about what it means to be a follower of Christ. We've called you into obedience. We're not watering down what God intends for you. We've spoken everything to you that is true. We speak frankly and with honesty. He says our hearts are wide open to you. There's relationship to you. There's no secrets. And and we, we are open to all of you, even those of you who are just unlovely and unlovable. That there's room in our hearts for you. Relationship we have offered. And it's through the love of Christ. We did not withhold our affection from you, but you withheld your affection to us, Paul's saying. You withheld love. Here is God's love being poured out on you, and there's nothing in return. In today's language, it would be, hey, we... Our love has been our love has been high speed wireless internet and your return is dial up. It's just not even connecting in. You're not returning love to us. We long for relationship. God longs for relationship for us. And we're not getting any back. I, I 
How many of you are, are huggers in this room? Raise your hand. Okay, look around. Now, huggers, I want you to look at the people who aren't raising their hand because they, <laughs> they, they just really struggle. You ever go try to hug someone who's not a hugger? And you're just like, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And they're just like, oh, please, get off me. <laughs> bubble, bubble, don't miss the bubble. <laughs> Paul is really trying to give a hug, and there's a, there's a wall put up there. And they're just kind of, ah. Uh. But i got to be real honest, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, who have Christ living in us, uh, we should be huggers. We really should. We should be lovers, especially one to another. Because that's who God is. God loves us, and he's, he's given his love to us so that we can express that towards one another. And it's amazing, when we hug each other, the, the world who's trying to figure out Jesus Christ is going, what is it about these people, all these huggers? Why do they keep hugging each other? Well, it's because of the love of God. And we want you to know about it. Fellowship with believers especially loves deeply. And Paul says, we've loved you to the core, to the depth of our being with God's love, but you withheld. And it is amazing to me how so many of us want to have deep love, but yet we restrain that ourselves. We don't give it back. Love must respond. It must. In order to have relationship. And he says, we have spoken to you, we spoke to you as children. This isn't condescending. It's, it's really an endearing term. He uses it all throughout the scriptures of his churches that he, he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with. Oh, it's an endearing, we spoke to you as children. We, we put, the, we put the, the cookies, the milk on the bottom shelf so you could get it. We want you to understand our love for you. And we are tender towards you. Return our love because it's God's love. You know, as I was reading these words this week, I, I was just thinking, as Paul is saying this to the Corinthian church, it, it just sounds to me like the, the words of the Heavenly Father to us. I mean, think about it. Open your heart to me. Isn't that God's call to us? You are dear to me, your beloved children. I've loved you to the core from the depths of my being. Even though you have resisted and held back, I still have loved you. And the final plea, open your heart to me. Return that love. It's really the gospel message. I have loved you from the beginning. Return that love. Believe in my son, Jesus Christ. And let's have a relationship together. That's what God asks of us. Paul is saying, oh, God has so much more for our life. Let us not restrain love one unto another. The greatest command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and do likewise unto your neighbor. Love must be returned. And I really believe this, especially for us who are followers of Jesus Christ. We're meant to love one another. Because we share the same life in Christ. We are meant to be in fellowship one unto another. Not to resist each other or to hold each other at bay. 
And you know what? Especially in the body of Christ, we move towards each other. And the truth is, yeah, you know, uh, in this match, unbelieving folk just don't get it. And they want to know more. But they don't get it. But that's why we are together the temple of God. We're living out the light of Christ as we love one another. So let us not withhold love. But renew our affections with one another, Paul is saying. Renew your affection with me. Let's open our heart towards one another. I want you to live out the life of Christ that he has for you. And he says there's another area that is hindering you from living out as ministers of reconciliation. Not only are you, are you restraining your love one to another, but you are drawing near and you are drawing your affections towards destructive, ungodly relationships. You keep clicking on mismatch.com, trying to connect up with people who just are not what God has for you in relationship. Look what he says in 6.14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. The, the verb tense actually there. Stop, stop being connected. Stop being bound together with those who are not followers of Christ, who don't have relationship with Jesus Christ yet. Put the car in reverse. Stop going that direction of being bound together. Let me just show you a picture of a yoke. The yoke was this instrument uh, especially in the farming community, that was to be put on animals, right? And to draw them together as they would plow or pull a carriage. The yoke had a lot of purposes uh, in the way it would bound two animals together. And uh, my brother Steve uh, Evans reminded me of some, some good things about the yoke. The yoke was, was meant to unite. It was meant to draw two animals together and unite them. And what that would do is it would harness power together so that they could again pull and, and plow. And I was thinking, show the, show the pictures of the animals that are unequally yoked. This is, this is a, uh, that's a donkey and an ox. Uh, now hold this one up here for a little bit. A camel and a donkey, unequally yoked. And that's, that's what he's really saying. He's actually, he's actually speaking specifically of, uh, of an ox uh, and a donkey. But I, I, th- I was amazed to find this picture of a camel and a donkey pulling, trying to pull side by side together. That just is not going to go well. It just isn't. You see, the opposite of, of what we talked about, that the yoke was meant to unite and meant to harness power, it, this does the opposite. It tears apart. It drains power. It creates a heavy burden. And it causes pain. And he says, don't be unequally yoked like this camel and this donkey. Because you're going to be pulling against each other. You're not going to have the same power. It's going to be burden. It's going to be an awful experience. And there'll be a lot of pain in it. Don't be unequally yoked. Stop being yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness 
or lawlessness have in common? And the answer is nothing. They're not of the same nature is what he's drawing us to. They are a mismatch. They're never meant to be together. There are certain things in life that are not meant to be together. I just wanted to show you a few. This is Shaquille O'Neal and his girlfriend. I think, I think whoever Shaquille O'Neal dates is never quite the match. <laughs> guy is a tall guy. Let's go to the next one. This is a cute picture of a little kitten uh, just before lunch is about to be served. <laughs> it's not a good match. Now, that's kind of cute, but it's just odd. I'm not sure if that relationship's going to work out. It's the next one. Now, see, this is just awful. This is, this is peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Those things are just not meant to go together. I mean, really, it's just wrong. Not only is it wrong, it's sinful. It's just sinful. How many of you love peanut butter and pickle sandwich? Ah, oh, yeah, there's stuff here. Knew it. Ugh. And then this final one. This, yeah, this is never a good match. Look at these cl- clothing, the colors. And then you got the, you got the parakeet coming in. you got these two guys who are wrestlers. See, Paul is the guy who's going to come in and say, say to these guys, listen, even in the 80s, this is not a good match. <laughs> this is just awful. And he's going to try to protect them. I do not want you to experience the pain of going through that. Thank you. And Paul's stepping in. He's all, there's a lot of mismatches going on. And I need to tell you about it. And I need to call you out from it because it's going to be painful and the burden is going to be heavy. And you're going to be pulling a different direction. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? And actually, I think we need to start with what it doesn't mean. To be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. So, what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you stay away from relationship with unbelievers. This passage has been used so often throughout the history of the church to just really be destructive and to, uh, to create this barrier uh, with those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. And I say yet because that's really the case. They don't know them yet. And, and to withhold their, their care and love for people who don't know Jesus. And so Christianity and Christian churches and, and families, uh, we create this bubble of Christianity. We're not going to let any unrighteousness into our space. We won't be surrounded by it. We won't have that influence anywhere near us. And that's not what he's saying. Is not saying, don't have relationship with unbelievers. It does not mean, for those of you who are married, and you are a Christian, and you're married to an unbeliever, it does not mean, well, I need to get out of this relationship with my unbelieving spouse. It does not mean that at all. It does not mean that we move out of relationship with those who don't know Jesus Christ yet. All of these are, are contrary to Paul's teaching for us. Just prior, again, and we've been talking, we're, we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. 
That means we're to share the good news of Jesus Christ to an unbelieving world so that they can know about who Jesus is, about God's love for them. We're called to be ministers of reconciliation. Paul, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 5, if you remember back to that, to that passage, he said, I wrote in my letter to you not to associate with sexually immoral people. And he goes on to, to speaking about all kinds of uh, just sinful lifestyle. But he was talking about what was going on in the church, about a brother uh, in the church who was engaged in this relationship and, and starting to deal with how to respond so that he'll, he'll break and realize his sin. But he says, I wasn't meaning when I said that that stay away from the people of this world who are the unbelieving people who are immoral, who are living a lifestyle just living in their sin because they don't know better yet. Because if I was speaking to that, then he says, you'd basically have to leave this planet. Because that's just not going to be the case. He wants us in relationship with this unbelieving world. He's not calling us out from sharing the love of Jesus with them. Go and make disciples. That means go and share the gospel. Then grow them up in Jesus Christ. Stop being bound together with unbelievers in relationships. And so you have to go now, well, what does that look like? If he's saying, if he's saying we're to be loving those who don't know the Lord, but what is the boundary? What's he calling us to with unbelievers? We are to have relationship with unbelievers, but to stay away from certain relationships. Now, remember, the yoke is that that picture we had that, that binds you together. You can't seem to get out of it. And, it. and it forces you in a certain direction. And usually that direction ends up splitting because you're not of the same nature. The, the yoke has the idea of a, of, a, of a binding contract, something that we get locked into. And it's unequal. Again, it's of a different nature. Now, I just want you to think for a minute in your life. I want you to think for a minute if there's, if there's anything, any relationship that you have where you just feel bound to, where you feel like you can't get out of it, that contract that you just can't break, something that you just feel that, that again, you're, you're yoked together in that and there's, there's no getting out. And that you're, de- you're almost becoming dependent on that relationship. I just want you to take a minute and oh, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Hey, just take a minute and think about it for a second. Anything that binds you together? Yeah. Hello. Yeah, no, I'm having. Uh, I can't talk right now. Yeah, I'm in the middle of church. No, no. Right, lunch, lunch after church. Just one second, just keep thinking. Anything that binds you together, any contract that you're in, just hold on a moment. Yes, Siri, how do I get to the Barnet? Thank you, Siri. I love you, Siri. I mean, thank you, Siri. Did anything come to mind? something that you are yoked together with. 
You know, there's a whole movie out called Her that's all about this relationship with their phone. It's interesting. We're in a contract. We are controlled by. What, what characterizes these unequal unions? And, and we have to look at that. Because he, he gives us a list. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And, and the idea there is what, what partnership is there? What partnership is taking place with righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What koinonia, that, that which was intended to be intimate relationship, close, deep. What koinonia, what, what union there can be fellowship with light and darkness? And so there's a partnership. This is one of the areas that he's drawing us. There's a real close, intimate relationship that's being formed in this union with unbelievers. And then he says this. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Basically, Christ and Satan. Christ and worthlessness, that that term means. What harmony is there? So there's partnership. There's an intimate relationship that's growing. There's harmony. It's, It's like... And actually, the idea, the, the root word has the idea of being in symphony. You're in a symphony together. And you're, you're following that instructor up front, that director. And all of a sudden, you're making music and you're doing that together. What is there between, is there any symphony between Christ and Satan? What commonality is there between believer and unbeliever? What union, what agreement is there? And that's the idea of in the union agreement between idols and the temple of God. So what partnership, what fellowship, what symphony, what, what's in common, what agreements are we making with unbelievers? What is there between these two? And, and the answer to that is there's nothing. There's nothing. We're of a different nature. I like uh, the way Eugene Peterson put it. He says, don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does Christ go strolling with the devil? Does trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple. But that's exactly what we are. Each one of us a temple in whom God lives. What union is there? And he culminates with this idea of the temple of God and idols being put, put in. And, and he, he actually quotes six Old Testament uh, quotes in this, in this next little section. But he's, he's drawing us out and he's reminding them of, hey, there's a new relationship. There's a new relationship. Temple of God used to be the place that was understood that God dwelt here. But you are the temple of God. This is new covenant relationship. Christ lives in us. 
How can you partner together that which is ungodly? How can you bring an idol right into the temple of God and say, oh, we'll just worship together? How can we do that? He's reminding us of who we are. And he says, listen, I want, you to, I want you to come out to separate from them. Touch no unclean thing, I will receive you. I will be a father to you, you will be my sons and daughters. You're going to be my people. You are a temple of the living God. We are that temple. And it reminds us of who he is. The living God who comes and dwells within us. He reminds us of his power, of his authority. He reminds us of our worship to him, that he is God alone. And that we're in this new covenant relationship. The law is now on our hearts as he ministers to us. As you are ministers of reconciliation, as you're in this new relationship with Jesus Christ, God has so much for your life to be lived out and we're being hindered in our affection being withheld one to another. And we're being hindered in the fact that we're trying to continue to step into mismatches with relationships that have nothing to do with godliness, into these binding relationships that are so destructive to us. And as the temple of the living God, he has more life for us. And so stop being yoked together. And so here's just a few practical things. What does this look like for us? Again, it's a relationship that's significant, that's bound, that's committed, covenanted together. I think in part of the context that we can pull from this, Paul was dealing, again, with a bunch of false teachers. And the Corinthians were being drawn to some of these teachers. I think one of the areas where we're not to be bound or not to be unequally yoked, is with those who are false teachers. To those who have a theology that's really not of the Scriptures. There's nothing spiritual about their leadership. Paul actually says, they are unbelievers. They aren't leading you towards God. Don't be bound to them. Don't draw into their theology and agree with their theology and move in that direction. Financially, don't be bound to them and and giving to a ministry that's really not of godliness. I think that's one area, practically. We do often think of marriage in this context, don't we? And, And we should. And I just want to point to you right now that if you're in a serious relationship with a with an unbeliever and it's moving towards marriage, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I really believe the Lord is asking you through Paul to step out of that relationship. Not to be yoked together. Because you're of a different nature right now. Your unbelieving spouse does not know Jesus. And they need to know. But you're not the Savior, by the way. This isn't missionary dating. Trying to save their lives to step out and let God do his work in their life, and then maybe, maybe God joins you back together. Really to evaluate, is your relationship more important than godliness? 
Those of you who've married unbelievers, you know the pain of that and the walking through. So connecting together with, with teachers that are false, connecting together in marriage with those who don't know the Lord. I think it could be business partnerships, drawing you into a, a business partnership where you know that there's practices going on that aren't quite ethical, and yet you choose to partner in that business. And it's tearing you apart because you're of a different nature. The money uh, has become so important to you that you're willing to sacrifice who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ and the practices. It really is any relationship where, where an un, with an unbeliever that you are yoked together, tied in deeply, move in the same direction, working in harmony with. And, and before the Lord, you have to sit back and say, okay, Father, where are you asking me to step out of this relationship? that's yoked together so that you can follow him. And as we do so, here's the promise. I will be a father to you. It's a blessing. And you will be my sons and daughters. Look at that relationship. You're looking for a relationship. This is the relationship we want with our Heavenly Father. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And because I want you to have right relationship, and since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that, that you would help us to, to know where we need to, to step out of relationships where we're yoked together. And Father, to stop moving that direction, to really to sit with you and say, Father, help us, because we want to be in right relationship. And Heavenly Father, help us to, to uh, pour out our love one to another. Help us to love each other well in the body of Christ. And those things that hinder us from being ministers in reconciliation, Father, we pray that you would purify in us. Minister to us through your Holy Spirit. We want to live for you today with our lives. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.